Good morning, Hope Church. It's really good to be with you this morning. Let's start with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. Father, we pray this morning that you would give us wisdom. Father, help us to understand the words of Jesus. Father, help us to follow you and to be obedient to you. And Father, encourage our hearts today and give us wisdom in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, it really is good to be with you again this morning. We are now moving into looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Last week was an introduction to that. And this week we look at the first section in Matthew chapter 5. Now, this section is normally entitled Beatitudes in most Bibles. If you look in your Bible and look at the header, the header, by the way, is not part of the original text. It has been added in by the translators. But the header in many Bibles says Beatitudes. Beatitudes is a word that was derived out of the Latin meaning uh, for blessed. And because we don't have that as a common language today, it's not been used in a church for a long, long while. I think the term Beatitudes has lost uh, a lot of its significance. And so my kind of simple title for this would be Jesus's blessing or one that would be slightly more expansive, kingdom blessing. Jesus mentions the word blessed nine times. Now, he could easily have used the word blessed as a heading and then spoken about the different blessings that he is talking about, but he didn't do that. Uh, and I wonder if Jesus wanted the word blessing to come with force by his repeated emphasis of that word. You will notice that there are two areas that Jesus covers. Uh, what action or condition is eligible for blessing and what is the effect of the blessing? One of the challenges of the Christian life is how we use the Bible. And it never ceases to amaze me how Christians can pull a verse out of the Bible, ignoring its context and just simply saying, well, this is what it says in the Bible and this now applies to me. They never ask the application questions. They never ask the question, on what basis does it apply to me? Now, before you kind of think, Simon, what are you saying? I do believe that God does speak verses out of context to some individuals. I believe that would be a now word for people. However, that does not mean that every word in the Bible or every verse in the Bible is universally applicable. If God makes specific promises to specific people or to specific people groups, then we need to have a very good reason for saying this now applies to me. Now, the good news is here in this section on the Beatitudes and in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus does not leave us with any confusion whatsoever. He clearly lists those who can uh, claim the blessings that he mentions. And here is the criteria that he gives. He says it's the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers and the persecuted. Now, this is a challenging list and we'll look at it in more detail as we go along. Uh, I also want to list what the effect of the blessings are. 
Jesus states the following effects of the blessings. He says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is mentioned twice. They shall be comforted. They shall inherit the earth. They shall be satisfied. They shall receive mercy. They shall see God. They shall be called sons of God and their reward will be great in heaven. Now you'll immediately notice that these are not the kind of effects that the world would class as desirable. They would be looking more for things like you will have much wealth and much health, but these are not the things that Jesus talks about. But I would challenge anyone to define a better list of blessings to receive. Notice how the phrase, theirs is the kingdom of heaven, as I've said, is mentioned twice, and it forms a kind of bookend between the blessings. And even though Jesus uses the word blessed nine times, it should be noted that there are actually eight blessings mentioned here. The nine use of blessing in verse 11 to 12 of chapter five is an extension of the eighth, which focuses on persecution. Now, this opening section has been seen to be Jesus's message in a nutshell. It summarizes the teaching that follows in chapters five to seven, and we'll begin to look at these in turn. So the first of these is blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit can be translated today as the spiritually poor because we tend not to use uh, the phraseology of poor in spirit. It's a reflection of making Greek grammar or English language follow Greek grammar. Um, but we would probably say today the spiritually poor. Now, we all understand what the word poor means. It refers to those who do not have sufficient here we're talking about those, and I want to quote M.J. Wilkins in his commentary on Matthew, we're talking about those who are spiritually and emotionally oppressed, disillusioned, and in need of God's help. M.J. Wilkins goes on to describe these people as those who have experienced the harsh side of life, in which deprivation and hunger are their regular lot, and have no resources of their own to make anything of their lives. This also includes those who recognize that they can produce no spiritual or religious self-help before God. They are spiritually bankrupt. It is often when people are in a state of poverty and desperate need that they are willing to receive help. D.A. Carson, a scholar, adds this, to be poor in spirit is not to lack courage, but to acknowledge spiritual bankruptcy. It confesses one's unworthiness before God and utter dependence on him. The kingdom of heaven is not given on the basis of race, earned merit, the military zeal and prowess of zealots, or the wealth of Zacchaeus. It is given to the poor, the despised publicans, the prostitutes, those who are so poor they know they can offer nothing and do not try. They cry for mercy and they alone are heard. We need to be really cautious if we believe ourselves in a position that we need nothing. If we say that we are self-sufficient, because if we move into a category of not being poor or in need, then it removes us from the criteria that Jesus mentions of those who will receive his blessing. 
MJ Wilkins writes, this first beatitude undercuts the predominant worldview that assumes that material blessings are a sign of God's approval in one's life and that they automatically flow from one's blessing. You know, there's a lot that's been taught that if you are financially and materially wealthy and physically healthy, that is the blessing of God. This is not what Jesus says in one of his greatest sermons, the Sermon on the Mount. This first blessing about being spiritually poor sets the scene. It's not only the baseline of the blessed, but it ties together the other blessings. In our world, reward is given to the able. Those who can and who make something of themselves, those are the ones who get rewarded. Jesus starts off on the other foot. He leads in with this word poor. In fact, poor, mourn, meek, hunger and thirst, they are all in the same vein. These first few blessings are all in the same vein. They highlight a lack. Something is missing. I don't have enough. There is a recognition in this of the blessed that they are unable, that they haven't got what they need. They cannot and they do not have sufficient. They are the desperate ones. They are the ones who are sick. They're the ones who are oppressed. They're the ones who are deprived. They are the suffering and the poor. Let me tell you, this is such good news. Why? Because it means that Jesus recognises our poverty and our need. It means we can receive Jesus's blessing, especially if we have nothing to bring and nothing to give. Jesus doesn't say, come to me, you who are rich and have great things and achieved great things. But he says, no, come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Here's the call. Are you weary? Are you under a heavy burden? Are you sick? Are you poor? Are you tired? Are you oppressed and are you abused? Are you being discriminated against? Are you unable to change your situation? Do you lack? Is that you? Then here's the promise. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. Access into the kingdom requires complete dependence. It not, it's not just about ticking the above criteria, but it's about a coming to God and saying, I can't, but you can, and so I trust in you. It's about saying, I am unable, therefore I will trust in Jesus Christ. It's not just a poverty of spirit, but it's also a choosing to trust God in all things. It's a positioning of our lives so at every point, in every area, at every turn, we look to Jesus. It is establishing a principle that the Lord is first in all things. This whole first section is born out of a lack and of a need. But there is a genuine and heartfelt trust in Jesus that is needed. I want to mention three scriptures that talk about this need. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 that you might be very familiar with. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Matthew 9 and verse 12, but when they heard this he said, those who are well have no need of a, phys of a physician but those who are sick. 
In Psalm 20 and verse 7 to 8, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. Chariots here can represent so many things. Some trust in their wealth. They trust in their job or their skill. They trust in their education and qualifications. They trust in their own human abilities. Really, it's a trusting in themselves. But actually, the trust that we're talking about is that I may have money, but God is my provider. I may live in a wealthy nation, but God is my father. I may have received the COVID vaccine, but God is my healer. We are in, in the world, but we are not of the world. We live in the world, but we live by the kingdom of God. In everything we face, God's grace is sufficient. And so we trust. We trust God in all things. This truth, this reality of dependence and trust can only be worked out in the warp and woof of life. This kind of life is a product of poverty and desperation. You know, this can be seen in nearly every miracle of the New Testament. People came to Jesus out of desperation. They came having spent all their money in the world and yet still they were no better. And so they come to Jesus, they come unclean, they come rejected, they come poor, they come oppressed by the devil and they come suffering. And does Jesus reject them too? No, he heals them. He sets them free. But he does look for faith. Now faith is not hard when Jesus is your only alternative. So the start of this message on the Sermon on the Mount is that those who want to attach themselves to Jesus need to be poor and hungry and thirsty and meek. They need to come to him and they will receive the kingdom. They need to trust in Jesus and all of his becomes theirs. I often wonder about why life is sometimes so difficult. I wonder, does God allow all the suffering and difficulty so that we arrive at a place of dependence, so that we can enter his kingdom, maybe worldly poor, but spiritually rich? A life that has said goodbye to the world, that's the kind of life that we're looking at. You know, it's a life that doesn't have anything to offer and for the rest of its pilgrimage and for all eternity, it is entrenched in Jesus. He is the all in all of that life. Perhaps what you're going through is bringing you to a place of spiritual poverty, to a lack and a desperation. That's not a bad thing. Out of that, God could become your supply. Jesus will become your all in all. Many years ago, a man stood up to give testimony after he had lost his whole family in a tragedy. He said, I didn't know Jesus was all I needed until Jesus was all I had. Is Jesus working in your life? Jesus will work in your life when we come from a position of spiritual poverty. The self-sufficient will not understand this message. 
This is why the ancients gave away their wealth so that it would not become a stumbling block to possessing Jesus Christ. If we are left to our own devices, we tend to choose the easy path. Maybe God makes our path harder for this simple reason. And maybe the whole point to the daily grind to sin and suffering is so that we arrive at a point of lack that only God can supply. We then move into God's kingdom and under God's care. Things may not change externally, but internally all things are made new. Jesus said about John the Baptist that he was the greatest prophet. And yet he also said that anyone who has access to the kingdom of God is greater than John. And this is because God's kingdom is so much higher than the earthly kingdom. You may ask the question about what's the difference between kingdom life and just living or existing in this world? What kind of life is kingdom living? It is a life that is rich in God. In a world that puts superstars on pedestals, knowing God must be the greatest fact of the Christian faith. It is a life that has ceased its struggle to resolve its own problems and given them to God. A life that daily returns to God for every day it acknowledges that it needs new provision. It is a life of miracles. A life that rests from worrying and striving. A life that casts all of its cares on Jesus, knowing that he cares for them. 1 Peter 5, 6-7 Therefore, humble yourself under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. It is the life of a sheep that rests secure in the shepherd, even whilst surrounded by ravenous wolves. A life that can walk through dark valleys and fears no evil. It is probably best described as the life of a child. A child possesses nothing but has everything that belongs to the father. A child has no concerns and does not worry. A child can play and have fun and ask for fun things from the father as well as expensive things. A child that does not have to worry because it knows dad is here and he can do all things and he cares for me. The only exception in this example is that every adult needs to learn to return to this place of trust like a child and it is usually through this valley of spiritual poverty. Notice that a child has everything but it possesses nothing. It is all in Christ. Everything is given to the child. It does not need to work for anything. Let me give you some action points out of this teaching this morning. Why not develop a habit of being with God? Simply set aside some time just to sit and to be with Jesus. Does this mean that we cannot enjoy things far from it, but we need to watch our heart because it is easily enticed? We need to change our appetites. 1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Jesus needs to be Lord in our hearts. If this were easy, everyone would be doing it. George MacDonald said, it is simply absurd to say you believe 
or even want to believe in him if you do not do anything that he tells you. There needs to be obedience to Jesus. Let me finish this morning with a statement about the word blessed from M.J. Wilkins. Makarios, and makarios is the Greek word for blessed, Makarios is a state of existence in relationship to God in which a person is blessed from God's perspective even when he or she doesn't feel happy or isn't presently experiencing good fortune. This does not mean a conferral of blessing or an exhortation to live a life worthy of blessing, rather it is an acknowledgement that the ones indicated are blessed. Negative feelings absence of feelings or adverse conditions cannot take away the blessedness of those who exist in relationship with God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today. Father, we thank you that you start with the poor. You start with those who do not have anything. And so, Father, we thank you that we don't have to live up to a measure. We don't have to have certain things, but we can come completely bankrupt to you and you will supply. And I want to thank you today that as we understand this um, starting point on the Sermon on the Mount, that we come spiritually bankrupt, that you supply and that you open to us access to the kingdom. And so, Father, I pray for each one of us today. And I pray that we would be in that position of need before you. Help us to be spiritually poor, that we might inherit the kingdom of God. Lord, bless your people today and be with us this week in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a really great day.